Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast, part one of your Wednesday podcast output. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by my fellow uh, intangible, I guess, for, for this episode of the podcast, Tempest. Wow. We were we were skirting the line here for a little bit of what are we doing here? I'm replacing Mr. Davis, you're replacing Pete, but really sticking a label on it today, aren't you? Well, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I have to, right? Like it's the NXT show. I can't just not pretend. And particularly because we had like four intangibles on this episode of NXT. It felt weird for me not to mention it. Oh, just my favorite part of the show back again. I... This is one of the things that I was most uh, disappointed, not disappointed, but there's a long stretch between NXT takeovers. And I was like, oh, am I really going to have to wait that long to see some more intangibles? But we got a few on this show, so that'll tide <laughs> me over. Oh, we certainly did. And what intangibles we got as well, which we're going to cover on this episode of the podcast. But first, I will be wanting to talk about this new faction that debuted because they rule and I think they're great. Here's the show. on the opposite side of that this is more of like a hip-hop side of things we've got a debut on this episode and it's kind of like a, a, a we had this group sort of slightly debut in the scott rough match because that's when we had like you know looks like scott's got some backup and we've had some bits and bobs here and there but this is the first time they've come out as a group as an act and introduced themselves as hit row and it's so it's isaiah swerve scott's it is AJ Francis, who is now being called Top Dollar with an A. 
Brianna Brandy, who signed with WWE a couple of years ago, she's now B Fab and Ashante Adonis or the um and it's just like they came out they look like they look amazing they've got this wicked entrance music they come down to the ring looking like a million dollars and then they get this big red chair out for Scott to sit in and then each one of them just gets their promo time and do you know what was great about this faction is there was not a weak link every single person cut an awesome promo i haven't talked to you about this yet so i don't know what your feelings are on this group but i i friggin loved it oh yeah i will say right off the bat here we went from possibly the most negative i've ever been on a podcast on raw <laughs> to probably the most positive i will ever be on a podcast because i thought this show was just a smashing good time and this mm -hmm. new faction was a big part of that this Every once in a while, we get a new faction or a new act or something like that, a new character, perhaps, where it feels like people are playing a role. And this is the complete, total antithesis of that. This is the opposite. Everyone here feels like they've completely embodied their roles. I don't even know how much acting is really going on. These guys just completely, completely embody this new character and new faction that they're a part of. It feels cool. And yep. even though they're heels, like every once in a while, like we've been saying this on the past couple NXT podcasts where I don't necessarily feel like Kyle O'Reilly, like cool Kyle is cool. Like there's a difference between manufactured cool and actual cool. Oh, yeah. These guys are actually cool. Like I see these guys and I was like, I'm not cool enough to hang out with these guys. No. Like, yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> Like, these guys are so cool. I said in the, the written review that I think the ceiling for this group is just so incredibly high. If they don't give Isaiah Swerve Scott, like, the first shot at Bronson Reed when he wins the North American title, I think they're missing the boat on this guy. Like, he could be a top star on any brand right now. He's got the swagger. He's got the charisma. He's got the in-ring ability. This guy, to me, is just a total package. And to have him be surrounded by a total package of a group. Yeah. Oh, it's exciting, man. It's really oh, exciting. It's so exciting. Now, I am going to, um, this will come across as a bit of a braggart thing to do. And I don't mean to come across as just like a, I told you so. But back in the day when Laurie uh, Blake and I used to do this NXT review, we once did a video, and I've got the thumbnail for it here. Is this man of the future of NXT? That was published on July 3rd, two, uh, 2019. Look at that. Is Isaiah Swerve Scott the future of NXT? It's lovely to know I was right. Because Laurie and I on that show, because that was during the, um, God, what did they call it? Just sort of like the breakout tournament or the something? The breakout tournament, yeah. Yeah, like Bronson Reed debuted in, uh, in that. And I think Dexter Loomis was in that like tournament as sure well. Sure did. <laughs> so, like, but that show, like, th that was in a period of time when uh, when Laurie and I were doing the NXT reviews and it was just on the network. There were just, like, shows where nothing was happening. And that was an episode where the pair of us watched it and was like, dude, did you see Isaiah Swerve Scott's debut? That guy is an absolute star. He has just got, like, every single thing that you need to create a top car a top guy in, in, a, in a promotion. And that's why we ran with with that as the headline. And we basically, just the first 10 minutes was us gushing about how great Swerve, uh, Swerve Scott was. So it is 
it's so awesome to be able to see like going from that point there, not even two years ago, you know, just in that breakout tournament to now where he is just like, you mean you said it there, he's like the total package and he's got the total package around him. And like, yeah, you need to be like strapping the rocket to this guy and this group right now. Yeah, to me, right now seems like a perfect time because we've talked about how NXT from time to time may feel a little bit stale just because of guys like Gargano and Ciampa and Balor and Cole kind of being at the top of the division for a really long time now. Man, if you want a guy to just be the next NXT champion and be the next big thing, big star to come out of NXT, this is your guy. Like, it's right in front of you. And if you want, like, the next big act and next big faction around him, you've now got that, too. Like, there are no negatives with this guy as far as I'm concerned. He's got the timing. He's got the charisma. He's got a swagger about him. He just feels like a star. And that's not yeah. something you get very often in wrestling. Just the guy who you see him and is like, oh, that guy's a star. Like you turn on the TV and will make you stop changing the channels. To me, yeah. this is that guy. I could not be happier to see him getting a push. I've been a fan of his since he was Shane Strickland on the indies. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, so, so great. And uh, this group has got an amazing presence to it. So if you haven't seen the show, what uh, essentially what this, this act is, is they're like they're a rap group. They're like a rap mm -hmm. record label, and it really reminded me. And, and kind of why I think is so wonderful about this. And I'm going to very much show my age here. So I'm, I'm just going to put that out on front stream. I'm going to show my age here. But about twenty odd years ago, Louis Theroux um, used to do a series of documentaries here in the UK called Weird Weekends, where he would go out and he would spend a weekend with sort of like subcultures around the US. So he did one about swingers, and he did one about gamblers, and he did one about um, some of the other ones that he did. Actually, he did a wrestling one. Like there's one of his most famous ones is he, he goes to like a WCW show, and um, he then gets invited to go to the power plants and like spend a day training with them and the sarge gets so pissed off at him because he had the temerity to ask is wrestling fake and like i've seen this yeah and sarge like runs him ragged and makes him like throw up during training because he pushes him far too hard in it it's a, it's a brilliant documentary also features raven right at the start where <laughs> of louis through going up to ask raven a question and raven's like do you know who i am and louis like nope He's like, wait, so you're doing a, rest a documentary about wrestling and you don't know who I am? Well, this is going to be a terrible documentary. <laughs> Boom, that's how, the, that's how the doc starts. So, so great. But like, this is... It, the, the episode that he did on rap music and gangster rap, Like, he went around and he just found like all these sort of like underground um labels and stuff that had like crews and posses and they had like their artists in there it's a wicked documentary series on netflix as well called the evolution of hip-hop that's got like or hip-hop evolution i think it's called that's got like that kind of covers this kind of ground as well and that's what it reminded me of i looked and i was like man that these guys look like the sort of group that louis threw would have interviewed in that gangster rap documentary about 20 years ago but what's wonderful about it is that because that's like 20 odd years ago is now like coming back around so it's now it's got this nostalgic flavor to it but it's also brand new and it feels new and it feels fresh yeah absolutely i mean i my first thought when i saw all of this was it feels like death row records yeah you know? totally. and that, that's exactly it. that Obviously, it was very big and very popular and wasn't necessarily as like underground as as some other things. But if you're going to emulate something like that, that's a pretty good one to emulate, because mm -hmm. not only were they all 
incredibly talented, but you have some real personalities there. And if you want to start to emulate some of those personalities and bring a little bit of that flavor into the presentation of this, oh, it's so good. Like I, I started really, I didn't even know they were going to be a group when Isaiah no. Scott started doing the, uh, the backstage segments where he was cutting his promos in the studio. Cause that was the first thing that Pete and I started gushing about was all his promo segments feel different. They've got a different flavor, a different context to them. And Lord knows if he ever gets, uh, if he ever gets called up, if they'll keep doing this sort of thing, but that's the main roster for you. And it doesn't matter. Cause we're talking about NXT here. <laughs> Everything about this act is fantastic. I want to see yeah. this act four times on every show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm super excited for like the first six man tag or actually just like the tag team like stuff that's Hop Dollar and Adonis can do while you've got Swerve Scott as the singles guy. And you've got, um, oh man, I've actually, I've already forgotten her name there. Uh, what's that name of B Fab, sorry, it's because I was about to call her Brianna then. But yeah, B Fab, like pushing her in the, the the singles division for the women. Like, there's so many like elements that you could do in this. It's tremendously excited. I'm really, really stoked about this. And also, like, what a great time to like debut a new faction just after you split up possibly the greatest faction that NXT has ever had in the Undisputed Era. It's basically like the the Undisputed Era splitting up has now given you the open platform to be like, cool. Well, now let's have a new top faction coming instead. And they're totally different from them, too. How often do we see just, like, the invading force faction? Yeah. Where they're all the same thing with a different paint job. These two factions are completely different. They're both heels. They can both be cocky and arrogant. But you've got the one side that's, like, the cool hip-hop faction. And you've got the other side that are, like, the kind of cool but a little bit dorky jocks. And they can both excellent and both be totally different and that's exactly what you need out of nxt right now is something that's different and these guys mm -hmm. are different how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's see what you've got to say about this in the ultra chat. Bacon Rash is in first to say, hi, lads. Not sure if I like this new group yet. Maybe it's, be- uh, maybe it's because I'm 36, but I'll give it time to grow on me. Problem with Hit Row. First time I heard of it, thought of Skid Row, as in Skid Mark. The show itself, though, I thought was great this week. Jam that jam. Yeah, like there is a part of me that is just like, yeah, no, I am a 35-year-old white male. Like I am not the target audience for, for this group. But I look at it, I was like, dude, like it's everything about this just like smells of success. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I dig it. Yeah, I mean, I think I've gushed enough about it uh, for <laughs> yeah. one podcast. But yeah, man, I think this group just has the highest ceiling. I can't wait to see what they do. Like if, they, if, this, if this faction flops... I don't think I will recover. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Portuguese Mr. Davis says, Hey boys, this show was awesome. Loved everything about it, especially the Grimes DPRC segments. Uh, Question. Do you feel like Karrion Cross should develop his moveset? Feels like he's limited. I'm probably wrong, but thoughts. Much love from Portugal. So I, I have interest. I would have very interesting thoughts about this because I am someone, and I've talked about this before where to me, the most important part of wrestling is what happens bell to bell. And that's just me personally. I know a lot of people don't look at it that way. And that's something that I totally understand different viewpoints on. If you prefer promos and like goofy wrestling segments, that sort of thing, that's totally fine to me. My most important thing is what you do in the ring. And I don't at this at the same time i don't look at it as well they need a really cool move set you know i was never the guy that got on john cena for only having five moves or getting on roman reigns for hitting superman punch and and the spear and the the apron drop kick or whatever like that to me isn't the that's not the goal it's not the different kinds of moves it's what you do with those moves and what kind of stories you tell and whatnot that being said i do think that carrying cross could benefit a little bit from a bit more of a diversified move set because a lot of the things that he does right now don't necessarily look the cleanest. Like a mm-hmm. lot of his forearm strikes in this match that we'll get to, I didn't think look particularly great if he's supposed to be like this big monstrous killer. So if he could either clean that up a little bit or add some new things in, take a few things out, I think he could probably benefit from it. 
Indeed, yeah. Uh, Kevin said, I like the Hit Row promo, but I feel like it would have been better if it was in their studio. Also, Luke, it's cool to see you back on the NXT reviews again. I feel like NXT is back to where it was when you reviewed it with Laurie. New stars instead of counter-programming. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I think NXT, since it's moved to Tuesdays, has felt like... because. And it's and it sucks to say this, and I don't like to say this either. But NXT stopped being cool, like during like the whole when they went to the USA Network. Like moving to the USA Network made them feel uncool, and it felt like a real try-hard program. It was still good, but it it was never like it never captured that early NXT magic. It never captured that 2014 to 2018 magic. And it's and and I and I was a real shame, and it was like it, it was a shame to like what not watch because it was a fun show, but at the same time I was like, ah, oh, but it just it's really missing something. But I feel like now since the move to Tuesdays and now it's back to being its own product again, I really feel like we're starting to like build the build the groundworks now for us to get back to that magic that we used to have. Yeah, I've been saying for the last few weeks that I feel we've gotten back to a lot more of what NXT used to be, especially when we had like the main event between uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Cameron Grimes, where it was just, here's a really good show. They don't try and do too much on the show. They don't try and put like 10 different angles on there to make everybody watch NXT instead of AEW. They can just have a good, consistent show with consistent storytelling and then a really good match in the main event. That to me is what NXT was at its peak and also like really good long-term storytelling. Add all that together, that was NXT for me. Now I feel like we're getting back to that. This episode to me was the best episode of NXT that I have reviewed since NXT TakeOver. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Like, yeah. And I do have more, I guess now's as good a time as any to bring this up, but I did feel like Maybe it had something to do with a lot of those same faces that we've heard for so long. None of them really wrestled on this show. There were some mm -hmm. older names as far as NXT goes, like Kyle O'Reilly wrestled, Pete Dunne wrestled. But for the most part, like Ciampa wasn't on the show. Cole wasn't on the show. Gargano was in like a few segments, but didn't wrestle. And I thought that made this show feel so refreshing that there were just new stars like Isaiah Swerve Scott and Cameron Ground or not. Well, yeah, Cameron Grounds is in a segment, but Karrion Cross, all these Leon different Ruff. guys, Kushida, Leon Ruff. So many of these guys were now getting the spotlight put on them. And they were all able to do that because you didn't have these other guys not hogging the spotlight, but I think they've been there too long. And when they're not there, this show felt so refreshing and so good. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get into the show. Let's get into the show now, actually, because I thought this was an awesome episode of NXT. Like, I, I, I've really enjoyed NXT since it's gone to Tuesday nights, but hot dang, did I get a good week for, like, pizza takeoff and, so I can come in and review and gush over this show. Excuse me, because, like, it was, <laughs> even from, like, the opening video package, where it was essentially just like, hey, do you know who are great? Champions. Do you know who are also great? their challenges hey do you know what's great they're now gonna have a fight and i'm like cool it got me so hyped up for this show because this was an this video package absolutely ruled yeah i mean this is all i want out of wrestling is a great champion who wins and then a great challenger who wins and then they wrestle each other and only one person can win that's wrestling 
and it's not done like that often enough. <laughs> so when it is done perfectly, I'm just like, oh, more of this, please. Oh, it's fantastic stuff. Fantastic. And yeah. then they opened with a match. Let's go. Yeah. And it was like, you know, already in the ring, it's Austin Theory. So now you just get to watch the cool carrying cross uh, entrance and everything, which is still like, it's an incredible entrance. And it's so, so cool. And it makes him look like an absolute star as well. And I mean, I wrote in my notes here, Phew, this isn't going to go long because it's carrying cross versus Austin Theory. But actually, like, I, Austin Theory got way more of this match than I thought he was going to because Gargano caused a bit of distraction. Uh, and then eventually, it was carrying cross just kicking his ass far too much and the referee the, but hey do you know what was great the referee didn't dq him for kicking too much ass the referee stopped the match because he was kicking too much ass and awarded him the win because he was kicking all of the ass that's what a referee stoppage should be not be like oh sorry mate were you beating him up too much in the corner there because time to dq sir it's the best finish in wrestling as far as i'm concerned it's just this guy is by far, clearly the better man. He just beat him into submission. Fantastic stuff. I thought the match itself was like really good. I mm. thought it was like a really fun way to open the show. I also thought this would be more of a squash than it ended up being, but it's okay because I don't know if you know this, Luke, but my favorite move in all of pro wrestling is the fallaway slam, and Austin Theory <laughs> hit a fallaway <laughs> slam. So this match just bumped itself up another star <laughs> just for that. But yeah, they did a really good job of making Austin Theory feel at least like slightly competent, although he is like the lackey of the way. He's the guy to take the fall so Johnny Gargano doesn't have to. But they did a really good job of like protecting him enough that he is a capable wrestler, but also he's facing this crazy monstrous NXT champion. Like he shouldn't get that much offense, you know? I think he yeah. got like the perfect amount of offense for a match like this. One of the, the other great thing I loved about this show as well is that it was setting up a lot of like future things down the line, right? So you've got like Johnny Gargano on the outside. We saw this last week because you had like, you know, like 25 men come out and be like, well, I should be the number one contender. Well, what was great about that as well is that you looked at all the 25 men and be like, yeah, I could buy it. I intend to yep. buy every single one of them. And then this show follows up with that because you have Gargano on the outside. You then have Balor after this match being like, oi, want oi rematch. And Karen Cross is like, yes, let's have that. And it will be in two weeks time. But then later on in this show, you had Pete Dunne. Uh, kill absolutely killing poor Leon Ruff. And how did he win? By ref stoppage. He won the exact same way that Karrion Cross did. So now I'm looking at him being like, okay, cool. Well, I've got Balor in two weeks' time, but there's also Gargano over there. And he's like, you know, the face of NXT. He's always been there, the heart and soul of NXT. But we've also got this Pete Dunfeller who's just won the exact same way that Karrion Cross did. So I now want you want to see them collide. It's spinning multiple plates at once in a really balanced and just like a well thought out fashion. And like, that's kind of what you want from your top champion. It isn't just a great champion. It's multiple contenders to that champion. And not only just multiple contenders, but there's different ways that the storyline can go. You know, I, we've been theorizing the last few weeks that this is all going to lead to a six pack challenge at takeover. And I don't know how necessarily that's going to work with Finn Balor having this title match in a couple of weeks. Maybe they'll do a DQ. I don't really like that idea, but I also don't want him to get beat here either. So I don't know. There's different things that you can do, but it's exciting to not know exactly how they're going to get to the destination. And maybe they yeah. won't even do the six pack challenge, but I think that's a really good way to incorporate so much main event talent into one match. What we got next was a match that I 
good lord, this was fun. So this was a tag match between Breezango and MSK. Now, you know, we had that hyper chain from Bacon Rasher that was just like, I'm 36, so I don't really like, I, I wasn't really on board with like uh, Hit Row right from the get-go. I mean, I'm a, I'm a 35-year-old man. I, I'm I'm on Team Grizzled Veterans here. I, I am Team Grizzled Young Vets all the way. I hate this M MSK lads. I hate them. Like what? they are. I, I I think they're a bunch of knobs. Like and but like I've always thought they were a bunch of knobs. Like I thought they were a bunch of knobs when they were um what were the rascals in in Impact? I used to come out and do like the thing. That I was like, like, get off my you bunch of dicks like you just dorks like i i just i'm a grump i'm an old man yelling at clouds here i fully appreciate that but i do look at me like god you i'm i don't like you i do not want to be at a party that you're at like i want to be at a party with zach gibson and james drake i do not want to be a party that you're at wow what a heel turn what a heel <laughs> turn we were going so strong here luke well i i mean i really like msk <laughs> my lord you use yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I I fully appreciate both uh, MSK and the Grizzled Young Vets. I want that to be like the long, long running uh, tag feud in NXT, you know, for the rest of the year, basically. But I thought this match was like really fun. I do enjoy mm -hmm. MSK's moves. I got to give a big shout out to my man, Daryl Sharma, the Hornet, <laughs> wow. Battle Arts yeah. Academy alumni. He was one of the trainers at uh, the wrestling school that uh, that I was training at before the pandemic. So it was really fun to see him go all, all PWG in this match and hit a drop down mm -hmm. leapfrog. I don't really know why he did it. It was just kind of like, we're just going to do a PWG spot in the middle of this match. And I loved but it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Like, if you're going to have a match with MSK and Breezango, that is the absolute sort of like stuff that I want to see. Like, I watching this, like, it made me, you know, fall back in love with Breezango again because it reminded me of like, you know, the, the Usos feud that they had with like one of the one of the funniest things I've seen in wrestling since working at WrestleTalk was the whole like rolling from like the log rolling from one corner to the other when the Uso kept going up for the splash. Like, really, really great stuff. And so, Whenever like you got Breezango in a match, and all of a sudden the referee does a drop down leapfrog, I'm like, yeah, that 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 makes sense. That just totally makes sense. In the same way that if I went to a PWG show and they did, I'd be like, yep, that and that totally adds up. No complaints from me here. Yeah, I I did think it was kind of. I think it's a little bit odd that I don't know that they're going to break up Breezango, but it seemed like that was the vibe I was getting at the end of the match because they were really pushing their frustrations on commentary, and then they seemed, of course, they just lost. So fair enough they should be frustrated but it seemed like there was a little bit more of something there i don't really want to see them break up i'm not super invested in the characters or anything but i, I need more tag teams than just like two or three on this show let's keep them around yeah, yeah no I, this match was an incredible amount of fun and like you know i know i just said it was, went on my box there about how like msk just like annoy the piss out of me man and not even i don't even know if it's them like i just think it's the way they look just be like your hair's dumb your faces are dumb your attitude stinks get off my lawn <laughs> like i wouldn't be hanging out with the grizzled young vets and we could just sit there and talk about how dumb and stupid you are like it was there was a it was the um the zach gibson promo when he was just said they're the biggest bunch of knobheads I've ever met. And I was like, yep, Zach, I'm 100% on your <laughs> side here. I do think Nash Carter probably could use a, a haircut, but that's just <laughs> me. 
Anyway, after I was done telling them to get off my lawn, I just, I wrote in my notes, I love that match. Here's a shocker for you. NXT's a better show than Raw. Yeah. <laughs> I like that the show that we just did was considered like a good Raw. Like yeah. I got a good one and I was like, what? And then you come on here and you get the best NXT I've seen in two months. Um, right, we then got uh, a backstage segment. We had a backstage segment with Leon Ruff as well, but I'm going to save that till we get to the, the Ruff match. Um, we had one with Gargano storming into Regal's office because he's got a match with Bronson Reed next week. And it was a, a, sort of a wonderful little like mini show-long storyline because Gargano's like, I'm annoyed at you, Regal, because you've booked me in a match with Bronson Reed next week, and I don't want a match with Bronson Reed next week. This added, this This whole situation stinks, and I don't like it. And he kind of like angers uh, Regal in that. So later on in the show, he's like, well, I'll just take actions into my own hands then. I'm going to attack Bronson Reed in the locker room. <laughs> How'd you like them apples, Mr. Regal? And then Mr. Regal makes it a cage match. So it's like, ooh, Regal! <laughs> you, know what, you know what this really reminded me of? This really reminded me of the interactions that Kurt Angle and Mick Foley would have backstage, like that kind of sniveling, dorky heel and the commissioner role where he goes in there to be like, yeah, you, you, Regal, you got to you gotta fix this. I'm not happy. And he's like, well, the NXT North American champion, just stop doing that. Stop. And he's looking around for things to, to break and be mad and smash stuff. And he's like, don't, don't you do it. Don't, don't. Gargano, don't do it. And he breaks his pencil. And that to me was such like a Kurt Angle move from 2000 yeah. dealing with Mick Foley. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, really, really great. Uh, we got a promo for NXT UK. Will Zaya Brookside ignore vaccines enough to compete in the competition? Uh, Pete Dunne uh, then cut a promo because he says that Karen Cross has picked Finn Balor because he knows that Pete Dunne is the toughest opponent. He's not wrong either. He's amazing. And Leon Ruff attacks him. Now, Leon Ruff had a conversation with Regal earlier in the show where he was like, look, I want to compete. Let me compete tonight. And Regal was just like, absolutely not. I know you're cleared, but I don't think it's in your best interest to go out there and have a match. But Leon Ruff, being the little hothead that he is, went out there and tried to start a fight with Pete Dunne. Didn't work out well for him because Pete no. Dunne just dismantled this poor little lad here from pillar to post. And like just, yeah, as we said earlier, beat him down so much. The referee was like, I am calling this off and I'm going to announce Pete Dunne as the winner. Yeah, this I, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I just discovered how great Pete Dunne is because <laughs> that's absurd. I've Pete Dunne is Pete Dunne and he's been amazing forever. But I watched Pete Dunne, and I found a new appreciation for him in this match. He just had so many great little tidbit moments with his offense, whether it's just like right at the beginning when he's turning Leon Ruff over with his head and keeping him pinned down with his head so he doesn't get up and hooking the, the legs when he's grappling around with him. and It felt like a real fight. It was like a next level of intensity and realism to his offense that I felt like, yeah, because so often, like, if you actually look at wrestling, it's like, why aren't you just getting up right now? You know, so much of that. Mm -hmm. And there were so many moments when Pete Dunne was just, like, making it as difficult as possible for Leon Ruff to fight back. And it's not yeah. the kind of thing that I notice when it doesn't happen. But when Pete Dunne does it, I'm like, oh, what a what a perfect wrestler. Like, what a yeah. perfect technician. 
there was um I remember this way 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 back when it was during the cruiserweight classic and it was when Zack Sabre Jr. was um in that tournament. Do you remember Zack Sabre Jr. wrestled in WWE yeah. for a bit? Do you remember oh, he weird. was meant to win? <laughs> you yeah. The whole plan was that it was meant to be Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi in the finals because both of them were gonna and then both of them were like, yeah, I don't I don't want to work here though. Like I'm I'm happy yeah. to come in for your tournament, but but I don't want to. I'm not working here. So they were like, right, well, cool. Let's knock them out of the semi-finals then. And our final was it was um oh man, it was TJP. Who was the other person in it? Who was the other person in the final? It was Grand Metalik, the man that it we was... went on about on Raw. <laughs> That's right, it was. Yeah, not the plan. But yeah, so there was no. a period of time when Zack Sabre Jr., weird timeline this was, wrestled in WWE for a bit for a couple of weeks. And I remember like talking to some friends about this, about how wrestling has kind of like went through a different and like it's certainly from an American viewpoint, but like here in England, it's kind of always been this way. But it was about like technician. It was about being a technical style of wrestler. And in the sort of Lucha Libre style of things, it's about doing it as quickly as you possibly can. And the American way is very much like this as well. It's about like being quick with your transitions. Let's be quick. Like we go from this to this, to this, to this, to this. The British style of wrestling, particularly with people like Dunn and Zack Sabre Jr. It's about, no, no, no. I want you, the audience, to see what I'm doing. So I'm actually, I'm taking his arm here and I'm twisting it this way because that really hurts. And then I'm going to put this into position here. And that allows the person you're facing to then sell that even more and like sell the pain over time. And I've always loved that about Zach. And I just, and I always adore it about Pete Dunn as well, because he's so like, like slow with the transition to be like, oh, I am spending five minutes on this arm, but I'm going to do two things. But I'm going to yeah. make it look like I'm doing a multiple, a multitude of things. Yeah, I I hadn't looked at it necessarily just like that, but it's a great point. A lot of the time, if you go into a submission hold that's like an arm bar or a wrist lock or something like that, if you do that really fast, sometimes people don't even really know what the move is necessarily. It's yeah. like, oh, he's in a submission hold, he's selling. If you do it really slow and meticulously like you do here with Pete Dunne, you can see him bending the arm back over his knee. It's like, well, that hurts. And then he bends it again into the wrist lock. I was like, well, that hurts. And you get a better understanding of like what's actually going down and be like, yeah, I'd tap out from that right now from just this rest hold that he's applying. That doesn't look like any fun to be a part of. Yeah. yeah. Top marks for Pete Dunne on this evening. Although. Absolutely. I will say, and maybe I missed it, so if I miss this segment, uh, correct me, please. Um, I would have liked to see some follow-up about Leon Ruff. To me, this would have been something that he should have been disciplined for. Like, if mm. he went backstage and Le and William Regal was like, God damn it, I told you, you were not allowed to wrestle, you did this, you could have gotten seriously hurt, you're suspended. Something like that. I would have thought that would be a really good way to wrap up this show-long storyline, but it didn't really happen. So yeah, well, I think we'll keep an eye out for that for next week to see if there is some follow because I would like that as well. Like I think there's there does need to be something with Regal and Roughhead. Like you know, it does need to be some form of a teaching lesson for him to yeah. be like, dude, I told you not to go out there. What did you do? You went and got killed. You went and attacked Pete Dunne of all people. Not yeah. like you went out there and attacked someone you could possibly be. You went out there and attacked Pete Dunne. That was a very silly idea. Um, we've got a bit of a stack show coming up in a couple of weeks' time because not only have we got Balor versus Cross with the NXT title, but also the debut of Frankie Monet. Yeah, we don't know who her, who her opponent is going to be. I had theorized that her first match would come at TakeOver against Io Shirai. I don't think they're going to have that match on TV, so she could just beat 
someone and then build to that perhaps. I really, really love that they're building two weeks ahead of time for all these shows. This has, I don't want to compare everything to AEW, but one of the things that I've always loved about AEW is you know what you're going to watch on that show. You know yeah. what you're going to watch this week. You know what you're going to watch next week. And probably they're going to announce stuff for two weeks down the line. And that's such a fantastic way to build long-term storytelling because it locks you in. You have to do that thing. And it prevents plans from just being changed every week, which, man, if they started booking two weeks ahead of time on Raw, of course, they wouldn't stick to it, but they should. It's great. Yeah, launch. Oh, more of this, please. Uh, also very much enjoyed Mercedes Martinez versus Raquel Gonzalez. Not only because it was a great match, but Tempest, we got the return of intangible <laughs> facts about people. So hit me with them, Luke. <laughs> okay, so the intangibles. Mercedes Martinez's intangibles are fearless and grit. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not gritty. Again, is it an adjective or is it a noun? Please get it together, guys. And Raquel Gonzalez. It's fearless and grit. grit. She has grit. She's not gritty. She Why has fearless. is this such a thing? She has fearless and grit. Uh, oh, and Raquel God. Gonzalez is not a powerhouse. It's powerhouse <laughs> and ruthless. <laughs> Not ruthlessness. <laughs> she is ruthless. And she is a powerhouse. What is going on? Why is this such a thing? You could put them together. <laughs> She's... Oh, God. This sends me every time. Oh, God. It's... Okay, like, so... This is... I do not want to come across as a negative Nancy here because I loved this show. I really did. I had an absolute blast watching it and I'm having an absolute blast reviewing it as well. I, the intangible gimmick is one of the dumbest things going on any brand oh, whatsoever. Yeah. If this was on Raw, this is like Braun Strowman having the train sounds level of just like, that's incredibly goofy. Because it came up every time I saw one, it just made me laugh. And That's it's like, the we, got, boy. we got them again well, in the main event. <laughs> it made me laugh again. Oh, yeah. This, that's what makes it great. There's a reason that this is our team name. <laughs> this was an entire segment of our show at TakeOver. <laughs> oh, my God. It it's doesn't my convey favorite their thing. characters. It doesn't get over their characters or anything. It's just... I get, it just puzzles me. Yeah, so I'm looking at it, I'm laughing, and then afterwards being like, huh, grit. Yeah. Huh. You know, powerhouse. At this point, I don't even want them to make sense. I'm getting <laughs> so much more enjoyment out of this being the one dumb ass moment of NXT that oh, I can look God. forward to when they announce a title match. This 100% makes me tune in to watch NXT more. <laughs> And maybe that's just because I have this show to make a joke say, out of it. But it's gonna make oh, me want to watch next week's show as well, just because like there's another title match next week. There's more intangible. <laughs> <laughs> there's 
There's more intangibles every week. And then we've got TakeOver coming. Oh, that's going to be a show full of intangibles. Oh, my God. The intangibles out oh. the wazoo. Uh, also, shout out to uh, SP3 of True Heel Heat, who's in the chat watching along. Thank you very much for joining us. Good luck in Quizzlemania tonight, my I friend. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah, good luck indeed. Obviously, you know, my boy Sullivan Brown is on the, is on the show. So I, I kind of want to be pulling for him. But if I'm pulling for a close second, it's certainly not Sean. It's going to be SP3. Oh, what, a, what an absolute duty is. What a handsome. It is the handsomest Quizzlemania ever. It is a handsome battle. Absolutely. Anywho, um, so Mercedes Martinez, unfortunately, her fearless and grit did not help her here because um, Raquel's powerhouse and ruthless meant that she won the match with a very impressive uh, powerbomb slam style thing. Very hard hitting. Very, very good. Uh, Raquel's gimmick is not only powerhouse and ruthless. She has an impressive back. Yeah, I thought this was a little bit odd, but it's, it's whatever. You got to find different <laughs> ways to pose with a belt, I suppose. So flex yeah. your back muscles. Yeah, you got I haven't seen it done. Before. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I thought this match was was it wasn't a perfect match, but it was perfect for what it should have been. And that is, you beat someone who's kind of like mid upper level in the NXT Women's Division who can make Raquel look good is a veteran and had a really good hard hitting match that fit the style that both people wrestle. Like, yeah, I got, I got no complaints on this one. I don't have very many complaints on this whole show, but this oh, match no, itself was really fun. And I'm very excited to see where they go next. Cause they don't really have a next challenger lined up for Raquel. So we've mm. still got time before takeover, but there's a lot of different ways that they could go with that. Do you think they'll pull the, the, the Dakota trigger? Mm, not, yet i think eventually we'll end up there but maybe i'm wrong because again no one really sticks out to me right off the bat you know i guess you could do something like saray but even still i feel like that's a little early but i don't know maybe it makes yeah, as much maybe. sense as anything else i've heard yeah next up because oh, we had the um the the, the hit row stuff but then next up cameron grimes is trying to buy a house i love this so, so much <laughs> so cameron grimes busts out of his car and he's just like, I'm here, boy, time to buy me a house. So he, and he sits down and he's like, and he puts in a bit of $2 million. Already thinks that he's won it. And then, much to his chagrin, more people start putting in bids on this auction. And every time someone does, he puts in another bid. And then someone else will put in a bid and be like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you putting a bid in for? That's not how this works. <laughs> every time he did it, it got funnier. And I knew what the punchline of this was because we all knew what the punchline yeah. was. But I'm sitting there going like, oh, I can't wait for this punchline. Because all of a sudden yeah. you hear this like huge shout of $8 million at the end of it. It's like, who the hell was that? Turned around. And it's the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And it was... So, and So this is funny for several reasons. A, Cameron Grimes is great. B, the million dollar man is great. C, the whole situation is so nonsense. It's absolutely wonderful. There's something about this that makes me laugh every time. And that is that Cameron Grimes calls, calls him by his full name. Like, it's not just, he doesn't say DiBiase or Ted. He calls him Ted DiBiase, like every single, it's proper my level of comedy. And yeah. I, and then at the end of it, shouting, why Ted DiBiase? Why? I don't care if this segment or these segments, any of this goes anywhere forever. If they can continue to find ways to just make Cameron Grimes being involved with things where he's getting shown up by Ted DiBiase for no reason. Why is Ted DiBiase stalking this man? And just, just 
outbidding him. He's the real million dollar man. He wants to show this young kid that he's the real million dollar man. I guess, but yeah, it, uh, I just find this so funny. And I don't really know why, other than it's, it is funny, but so often WWE comedy just doesn't hit. And Cameron Grimes just can carry stuff like this. He's he's the perfect kind of overactor. Yeah. And then you have someone like Ted DiBiase, who's just one of the best characters in the history of wrestling, to balance this, I guess, or make it even more wacky. Oh, it's fantastic. And as I've stated in the past, as I stated on Twitter earlier today, Ted DiBiase not only has the best laugh in wrestling history, he has one of the best laughs in human history. Nobody laughs better than Ted DiBiase. Just give me this every week, forever. I don't need a match. I don't need him to be a manager. Just keep giving me these segments. One of the greatest moments in WWF history is Ted DiBiase kicking the basketball. It is, it gets funnier every time i see it and it is so brilliant to be able to see him back on tv again i yep. yeah i i cannot get enough of this like you i don't i don't need to de- i don't need to lead this to cameron grimes versus dbrc on pay-per-view i don't need to lead this to dbrc being a manager if that's what we get grand but i would ju- i'm just quite happy to have a lot of these backstage skits or like yep. out you know out of the arena skits absolutely love it yeah um we have got video promo for tony storm versus zoe stark which i believe is on next week's show uh and then we got only lorkin versus kylo <laughs> yep you're excited then we got only lorkin versus kylo riley kylo riley is an impressive man because on one side of things he is like one of the best looking dudes in wrestling He's got great hair. He's got a great beard. And when he's wearing a Canadian tuxedo, looks like an, he looks a million dollars. He looks absolutely awesome. And then there's the other side of him where he shows up wearing these sunglasses and this little hat. And I'm like, oh, you look like a tool. I do not want to be friends with you whatsoever. I want to be cool with, with, uh, with that, the other one. I do, not want to be, I do not want to be friends with you and your blue sunglasses and your, your crap little hats. Get out of here. Yeah, it, uh, we've we've talked a lot on this show about how I don't <laughs> feel that c- cool Kyle actually is cool because regular, not manufactured Kyle O'Reilly, I think is pretty cool. And he does his mm-hmm. little air guitar with the tag belt, the whole deal. It's kind of goofy, but I see that and be like, I don't want to hang out with that guy. That guy yeah. seems fun. This this guy that I see, I I believe I could see this guy on a megaphone at Young and Dundas Square in Toronto, spouting off about something with his fedora and his stupid sunglasses. And I'm just like, oh God, not yeah, not not a fan of a cool Kyle. But once the bell rings, forget all that. We got good Absolutely. stuff. Because then he's just awesome, Kyle. Yeah. No, I want to go to a festival with um Canadian tuxedo Kyle. I do not mm-hmm. want to go to a festival with cool Kyle. No. Um this match was really, really great because, of course, it is. It's Kyle O'Reilly versus Only Lorkin. Like, it is hard hitting stuff. And eventually, Kyle O'Reilly wins with the knee drop afterwards. But then we got the return um, of Bobby Fish. Bubbles Fish just randomly just comes out and just starts beating up uh, and, like, and making sure that everyone is fine because I can't, who was it that attacked him after the match? It was, it was um, uh, Pete Dunn. Yeah, it was Pete Dunn, wasn't it? I was going to say yeah. it was Pete Dunn. And I was like, no, he was earlier in the show. Yeah, Pete Dunn. So then they kind of like stare off. And you're like, oh my God. Like Red Dragon are standing in the ring together. What is going to happen here? Like, are we going to get because Carl's on this singles run? What does this mean for Bobby Fish? And they basically just have a chat where, like, Bobby's just like, "You're doing your own thing," and Carl's like, "Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own path at the moment." And he's just like, "That's cool. I respect that. I'll, I'll see you later." 
and that yeah. was it. And they just sort of like just parted ways. And it and it was so not what I was expecting for a bubbles fish return, but it's made me more excited about his return because I need to know what his feelings are and like what his motivations are. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job of expressing that where I didn't know what Bobby Fish was going to do upon his return. I still really don't. But at the same time, I didn't I don't think there's that high of a ceiling for Bobby Fish. He's always been the guy in the undisputed era where it's like if they all break up, go their separate ways. I don't think he's necessarily going to do that much. And that's a shame because I like Bobby Fish a lot. But I thought they did a very good job of wrapping up the undisputed era thing without making this big angle like he didn't need to turn on kyle o'reilly and to me that would be like the really easy thing to do but they didn't do that and i appreciate that because it leaves the door open to do more things later and long-term storytelling to me is the best kind of storytelling so if you're able to just kind of like put that in the back of your mind but still have it be there like they didn't Mm -hmm. forget about it they didn't treat like you like you were dumb because to have this right off the bat closes out that chapter for now but the next chapter still exists. We're just not there yet. And that's something to yeah. look forward to. Uh, and we got a fantastic main event of Santos Escobar versus Kushida for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship in a two out of three falls match. We got some intangibles here. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Santos Escobar, he had three. Um, his, his intangibles are natural born leader. Ring IQ and Lucha. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, just Lucha, not Lucha Libre. No, just Lucha. <laughs> oh, There's God. no other thing there. It just says and Lucha, just as a word. <laughs> oh my and God! She also had three, uh, which were technician, ring IQ. So they both got ring IQ. That's they both got the same intangible there, and precision. Not precise. (laughs) Precision. Oh, Oh, these they are so so dumb, but it makes me laugh. And I I proper popped for Lucha. Um, Yeah, as a concept. Uh, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that, but also I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Like it started off with those like the, the uh, biggest knobheads you've ever seen, MSK taking out um, Legado del Fantasma, and the referee sending everyone to the backs. So we just got the straight two on one, uh, two out of three falls match. I've got one complaint about this match, and it's a complaint I've got about a lot of two out of three falls matches, which is when you do a fall, and then ten seconds later you do the next fall. Yeah, it's like well, okay, so. That sort of rendered the two out of the three falls thing a bit pointless. Then I, I've ne- I've never I've never liked it when wrestling companies do that. Yeah, to me this is if you have like the right minds putting together a two out of three falls match, it can be like one of the best matches ever, as we saw with Okada and Omega having the best match of all time in a two out of three falls match. Like you need. You need to plan a two out of three falls match differently. And there are other ways to do it too. Like I thought the Daniel Bryan and Sheamus two out of three falls match from Extreme Rules uh, 2012, back check. I thought that was another really good way to do it where you have Bryan go in and sacrifice the first fall, getting himself disqualified, hitting him 
Uh, it was he either hit him with a chair or he tap he like had him in the ropes but wouldn't let go of the hold. And he sacrificed that first fall to weaken his opponent before immediately hitting the second fall. And that's like a different way of doing it as opposed to just like fall one, fall two, long stretch of match, fall three. Because really, if you just took out that first and second fall you just have a long match and nothing would really change in this case to me you need to change the structure of the match and do it in more of an intriguing way than just like well here's a pin and here's a pin or here's a submission or whatever like you need to do more to make it feel like it adds to the match yeah no i completely agree with you like it was i I just i just don't know why they yeah, it, 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 it's my only negative I've got against this because actually once you got into that third full thing, it was absolutely awesome. And it was a bit like actually, I remember like having a, a similar complaint about the Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, two out of yep, three falls match. That. They had a takeover, which it was just like, this match didn't need to be a two out of three falls match because the match actually just like, it finally got into gear when you got into the third fall. So you may as well have just taken that element out because it didn't add anything to the match. And again, I think I don't think the stipulation added to the match here. But once we got that first you know, third out of the match, and we just focused on the final portion of this. Dude, it was rad, man. It was so, so great. Just like these amazing transitions and counters and big spots and this and that. I absolutely, I just loved it. And like all of us, like, and then Kushida wins with this incredible, like suplex chokehold. It almost felt like it was a hoverboard lock suplex. It was this amazing, and they did like the only thing they could call on commentary was a unique pinning combination. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, yeah, that is an incredibly clunky way of saying it, but I guess you're right. It was a unique pinning combination. I thought this this match absolutely ruled. Yeah. I mean, this is NXT at its best to me, just having like an absolute blow away match in the main event. Like you could have put this match on a takeover and it would have fit in perfectly. This was just awesome. I love mm-hmm. these two guys. Kushida, I've always wanted to see do more in NXT. And now he's big being given the chance to do that. He's I've said a million times, like his greatest strength has always been his wrestling. And if you're going to put him in like a 20, 25 minute main event match for the NXT Cruiserweight title, do that. Have him be like do an open challenge or something. Just get 205 Live guys to come in because his wrestling is his strength. And getting him to wrestle more often means it'll be a better show and he will be better utilized. This is just fantastic, man. I loved every yeah. minute of it. Great show. Five out of five show. Like an easy home run grand slam, slam dunk, touchdown. Five out of five show. This oh. show ruled. I loved every single thing that was on this show. I could not get enough of it. Each segment led into something great. And then that great thing just carried on into something else that was great. All the matches were a lot of fun. All the backstage segments completely made sense. Everyone's promos were great. We got a cool new faction debut. And we had some slap in wrestling, man. It was just a wonderful, wonderful two hours of wrestling. And like more than that, it made me want to watch next week's show because they've got, got a lot of stuff on next week that I want to see. And they've got some off next in a couple of weeks' time that I also want to see as well. And there's stuff that was set up here that I want to see down the line. This like you say home run of a show could not get enough of it and as i said earlier is this man the future of nxt i said it in 2019 i'll say it again yes he yes. is absolutely right. if every show was this good i'd be the happiest luchador in the world <laughs> lucha
Charles Berg said, no dog photo today. Uh, those are for Tuesdays because Raw is pain. I'm hopeful for Swerve and his faction, but as WrestleTalk's unofficial bad name creator, I have the authority to say these are some bad names. So I've made a new uh, member introducing Piss, but with uh, dollar signs for the S's. Jam that jam. These names are awesome. I love I Top love... Dollar. That's an awesome oh, name. So that was actually like, that was the moment that t- tipped it over the edge for me because they made their entrance and everything and the chair was cool and they sat down and the guy was like, I'm top dollar. And I was like, that's it. This is the greatest group. This group yeah. absolutely rules now. And then when, yeah, like Brandon was like, yeah, I'm B-Fab. I'm like, oh, it's even better. This is yeah. absolutely amazing. We, we need a name that sounds clever at first, but is less funny every time you hear it. I've got it. B-Fab. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Hey guys, I don't know. Everyone know with Poochie? Yeah, yeah, Poochie. Uh, hi guys, just joined late because I was failing a college exam. Anyway, my baby Bobby is back. He's home. Unpopular opinion, but he's the cutest now former member of the Undisputed Era. Love Gonzalez versus Martinez. Great action throughout. Cannot wait for Quizzle Mania. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Sadie Lady. Um, also, yeah, that is an excellent Itchy and Scratchy t-shirt, Tempest. I saw you wear that. I saw you wear that on purpose. Uh, Bacon Rash has said, hey, lads. Uh, gr- uh, firstly, great to have Luke here today. D.B. Assey and Grimes. I could watch a film about how they uh, about them. They're amazing. The main event scene on NXT is great, but who finally beats Cross and when? Finally, I like MSK, but I want the titles on the Grizzled Young Vets because I love Zach Gibson. Jam that jam. Everyone should love Zach Gibson. He's the best. Yeah. Uh, as far as who beats Cross, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Put my money on that right now. He should do it. <laughs> He should do it. Not not necessarily right right now, but he's the guy. He should be the next NXT champion. I say this story every time I'm on a stream where I get to talk about uh, Zach Gibson. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling or promo-wise was at a Rev, a Rev Pro show, and it was Zach Gibson versus Toriano. And he comes out and he's cutting a promo on, and he's cutting a kind of promo on Toriano. And he's kind of promo on the fans as well. And he's like, you marks around ringside here, reading Dave Meltzer's Observer and listening to his radio show, looking in that ring now and saying, bloody hell, Grado looks different in real life. <laughs> what a what a god among men. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Dylan Diaz. Hey, <laughs> Luke Tempest. I want to mention Dexter Loomis as he wasn't on this week's NXT. Maybe I'll save him. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll save it for a bigger role next week hoping to see more decks also everyone is home safe uh jam that jam yeah i didn't get to see any um uh cameron not cameron grimes sorry dexter loomis this week clearly waiting for pete to come back yeah uh, jay gupta said me. looking at the Grimes sketch i wish he and ted dibiase were in a time loop like dr stranger dorm <laughs> <laughs> With Ted going, I'm here to outbid you. Every time Grimes thinks he's won. On a comic note, have you guys watched Invincible on Amazon yet? Do you have any thoughts? Jam that jam. Have very good show, excellent cast. Obviously, you can't talk about it without getting into spoilers, so I won't do that. But I really like how they uh, talk about how superpowers work and how like you develop them and that sort of stuff. Love that. I have not seen it yet, um, and my I don't, if my wife's not into it, which I don't think she will be, I don't think I'll ever 
it'd be one of those things where it's like so i that's why i didn't watch the mandalorian for like a year or so until after it like i didn't see it until the second season had finished and that's because my wife watched the first episode and was like this is not for me and i'm like cool mm. i'll just watch it without you then then i never had the time to watch it so it'll be a t- i'll see it in a couple of years time probably uh nate s a tempest intangible can wear a mask for an hour plus luke's intangible puts in a lot of hours the problem there nate is that those are too many words yeah. You need to be able to find, like, so Tempest for that, Mask. durable. durable. Ah, not durability. No, 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 God, no, no, durable. Yeah. That is that is what you need. Um, and Juan says, uh, hola, Luke, hola, Tempest. I have a non-wrestling related question. If I want to apply here as a moderator, how can I do that? I believe uh, you may have already emailed the right place, which is support at WrestleTalk.com. I'm passing that on to the people who need to know. And Misha has said, WrestleTalk's intangibles are better and more over than the NXT intangibles they stole the gimmick from. WrestleTalk is greater than WWE. But then we already knew that jam, that jam. Yes, please. Needs more air horn just for you, Misha. As part yeah, of the under consultation uh, posse, where are you? There it is. You love to see it. How have you found like doing a lot of podcasts this week? Because you had you know SmackDown on Saturday, you had Raw yesterday, you've got NXT today, you've then got SmackDown again coming up, and like like it. This is the this feels like it's the most podcasts Tempest has done in quite actually. When you did AEW last week as well, so like it is like the most podcast that you have done for us for a seven day stretch. I've been on every Russell Talk podcast. So if you dislike me, sorry. You weren't on the Friday show with me and Denise. That's true. As far as covering <laughs> different shows, as far as yeah. podcast reviews, I shall say. There you go. I've been yeah. on all of them. So if you're tired of me by now, sorry, not sorry. I really, I've found it to be a great amount of fun. And I contribute that to a number of factors. Having lovely co-hosts helps, you know, not just trying to, blow smoke but we have a very <laughs> lovely team here at wrestle talk and honestly going on and talking about wrestling for an hour sometimes i thought maybe a tedious act depending on who i'm talking to but you lot have made it just oh just fantastic so my question for you uh tempest is a question i've been wanting to ask for quite some time is uh when did you get into new metal oh that's a good question it all honestly i can i think wrestling helped with that a lot you know because i really did not start getting into music until i was maybe about 11 or 12 years old you know i just Mm -hmm. kind of before that i would listen to whatever was in the car or whatever my parents were playing so there was a lot of like you know beatles queen led zeppelin stuff like that rolling stones um but once i turned 11 i think i got uh guitar hero 3 on the nintendo wii uh (laughs) and shortly afterwards maybe a month later i started watching wrestling and then i got like my first ipod later that year so those two together kind of helped fuel my early playlists and those early days it was a lot of just like wwe pay-per-view theme songs because i was an impressionable 11 year old that didn't know you know what was popular i just knew that i listened to this three days grace song and i was like oh i like that that sounds nice and i listened to this seether song and i listened to this and that and the other thing and i was like i like this music and of course as you get older like 
there isn't as much of it that gets released nowadays. Obviously, like the heyday of new metal was like early to mid 2000s. Um, so I went back and would listen to different things from those eras. And a lot of them were like, what were the pay-per-view theme songs in 2003? It's <laughs> yeah. kind of my, my guiding factor. But I don't know, like every once in a while, I still have the urge to just put on some new metal and listen to it. You know, especially if I, yeah, like if I want to be in a bad mood, you know, <laughs> and I just need some fuel. Like when the the Green Bay Packers lost the uh, championship game this this year, and I put out a tweet just saying like, "Give me your your grimiest new metal uh, recommendations." I'm going on a walk, and I just need some hate fuel. And I got just loads of people giving me tons of recommendations. And I know you woke up the next day and was like, oh, this is this is my wheelhouse. There's so <laughs> many things I could recommend. But yeah, it's just kind of been that thing that stuck stuck with me since I was like 11. Yeah, I, I, there was a, a, a crazy moment there in that story when you were told me that you got Guitar Hero 3 when you were 11. And I was like, oh, man, I'd graduated university. And I think I was in like my second job when I got Guitar Hero 3, also for the Nintendo Wii, because it was badass, because you put the Wiimote <laughs> into the guitar. And that yep. is what activated the thing. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, when you put out that tweet, it, it was just sort of very fortunate timing, because I had just put together my new Metal Classics playlist on Spotify because I just went through this period last summer where I was just thinking back on a lot of tunes. I was listening to some tunes like uh, on my, from my old iPods and I was like, man, that's a banger. That's a banger. That's a banger. And then I thought, you know, I should really put together a playlist of just the new metal tracks that I like by the bands that I like. And I can kind of like, and I've kind of curated it over the months because there's been times where I've been listening back to it and being like, uh, well, I put this song in as a recommendation. Turns out I don't like it. So mm -hmm. I, turns out, I don't like Kill Switch Engage. I, I just don't. And it's 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 really not for me. But having said that, my takes are quite appalling because I unironically like a lot of Limp Bizkit's early stuff. I think $3 Bill is a great album. I think Significant Other is a great album. Chocolate Starfish is when it goes off the rails. That is a bad <laughs> album. And then pretty much everything after that. But like me and Ollie reviewed uh, WrestleMania 19 for WrestleTalk Extra. And that soundtrack by Limp Bizkit's Crack Addict. And I was on the I was on the show being like, Ollie, honest God, I unironically love this song. This is probably the best song that Limp Bizkit have done post-significant other. I think it's an and it's not even a real song. Like it was yeah. it wasn't even it was, they didn't release it in any form whatsoever. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally get that. You know, I went through uh, a similar playlist that I'd put together. Of course, my playlist for this kind of music is just called 11 to 13. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but again, I'll do the same thing. And, you know, uh, I made this playlist probably a few years ago before I had Spotify and before just adding music to playlists was so much easier. Um, yeah. I mean, I... I've never been one to like sit down and listen to a lot of Limp Biscuit, but I, I know that the songs that they've put together for WWE shows have always like, you're supposed is one of those bands kind of like Nickelback where you're like supposed to hate this band, but I don't really hate Limp Biscuit, you know, like it's, oh, no. it's one of those, it's a band that you can kind of clown on. Cause it's, it's the fun band to make fun of, but I don't know, man, my way yeah, bops. I had the same thing, dude, because like I, I remember going to Reading Festival 2001 
and Fear Factory were playing. And like the the running gag of Fear Factory at that time was they were called we, everyone called them Fat Factory because they were all like big chunky lads, and like you know they were they're on there they're, and they're playing like pretty much all the best stuff off of Obsolete and Digimortal and um, Cracker. What was their fir- what was their first album called? I can't remember now. But um, like everyone in the crowd because we're a British crowd just kept chanting after each song, "Who ate all the pies? Who ate all the pies? You fat <laughs> bastard! You fat bastard! You ate all the pies!" And like, and so like, it it was one of those times where it's like, oh yeah, F- Fat Factory are the fun band to dunk on, but also at the same time, I'm there going like, yeah, but Obsolete slaps though, doesn't it? It's a yeah. really, really good album, and like, for as, it's not great, but there's some tracks on Digimortal that I think absolutely rule. Yeah, for sure. Well, you tell me, how did you get into new? This is just going to be a new metal podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into that? Because obviously, like with the age difference being what it is, you were there for like the, the peak and the rise of new metal, you know, coming out of the the nineties and, and whatnot. Whereas I uh, wasn't necessarily like in a, in a mindset being like four and five years old that I would be able to appreciate such a thing at the time. So you tell me your yeah. story. So, so my cousin, so my, my brother and my cousin are both five and six years older than I am. So they're the older cool kids. And my cousin Chris in particular was like, he has always been a metalhead. You know, he was born in 1980 and he was a metalhead from a very young age, was really into his hair metal, absolutely loves Metallica, absolutely loved Slayer. And he like, he had his bands. And then because 1994, he's 14 years old and Liverpool had an amazing music scene. And a lot of like that, you know, it's one of the big cities in the UK. So a lot of like the bands would go and tour those areas. So he just went to a lot of like gigs and stuff. And so like through him, I discovered Korn. Korn were like my gateway into uh, into new metal and, and, and actually pretty much into what became my music taste. And I got that through Chris and he lent me Korn's album. So this would have been maybe 1996 i think he might have lent me that so that i would have been maybe 10 11 years old and he lent it to me on cd and i remember recording it to a cassette and then uh and I, it was a cassette that could not hold the full album on one side because there's only about 45 minute cassettes so i basically cut off like it like before the last track hit so i've never really I, as much as i keep saying oh, i've listened to that album loads of times before really i haven't because my <laughs> cassette tape did not have the full album on it and the other side on it had green day's dookie so it wasn't even just like i could turn the side over it and play that um so that was basically my gateway and then from like uh corn it was early incubus and it was fear factory and it was limp biscuit it was the deftones deftones was one of my big bands like i absolutely adored adrenaline and around the fur and i i just sort of like built up this collection of, of new metal stuff and then when i was going to a reading festival from 99 onwards it was just like it, a lot of the new metal bands were there and like when 99 hit and slipknot came out Oh, I, I fell into them so hard because I was 14. So I was like, I was like the perfect age for Slipknot to hit and being like, okay, cool. This is my band. Whereas like uh, Chris being a bit older than me, you know, he's now 20 years old by the time that, that Slipknot hit. He's like, ah, it's just, it's, it's a bad version of Marilyn Manson. Like that was basically, it was just like, they sound as bad. He's like, they sound as bad as Corn, and they look as bad as Marilyn Manson. Like that was now his like new sort of take on them as a new band. But, <laughs> and I, but I had that for Mudvayne. When Mudvayne came out, I was like, yeah, yeah. it's just a Slipknot knockoff though, isn't it? 
couple of a couple of grizzled old 20 year olds looking down their nose at this new music it's because i'm there like 14 years old and i've got my deftones like long sleeve t-shirt that i've got adrenaline which by the way i still have and i still wear to this day it is so faded and it is it once was black it is now pretty much a light gray and it has got holes all the way like uh like it's got so many holes on there but i still wear it it's like it's my comfy top to wear um but yes, like I'm wearing that at Reading Festival 2000, and our Chris there being the you know the the scouser veteran that he is, being like, oh yeah, it's just a bad version of Corn, and it's like a bad version of Marilyn Manson, and um, it, he was a dad at that point as well, so like it was, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just like so that was that was my gateway in into new metal and, and into like the mid 90s. Yeah, no, I mean, I can I can really appreciate stuff like that because one of uh, one of the best friends that I have in the world. You know, he and I not necessarily bonded, but when we were coming together as friends in about eighth grade or so, uh, his like favorite band was Slipknot, you know, Mm. and this is around the time where, again, Slipknot was on Guitar Hero 3. So I knew who they were and that gave me an excuse to listen to more of their their stuff. And well, like I wouldn't say that they're one of my absolute favorite bands, but I've definitely got some some Slipknot music that I can slip into my my playlists from time to time. But it's just one of those things, man, where a band like that coming around at, at the right time in your life can help influence different things. And I can really appreciate that, whether whether that was in 2000 or 2010. Matt, when Wait and Bleed came out, like it, my friend, my best friend at the time was called Rory, and like he was also like I, he was starting to get into new metal music as well, mostly through like the stuff that I was listening to. Um, he was also like the guy that really introduced me a lot to wrestling because I got into wrestling, and then uh, he had them all on VHS. Like his parents bought him like a butt. Like he had like every WWF pay per view from 1998 through to like the current. Well, I say the current day. It's 2000. It's 1999. <laughs> he had them all on VHS, but he also had ECW tapes as well. Oh, so like. That was like my that was my gateway into watching wrestling, but he was the one who showed me Wait and Bleed because it was on this. It was a, 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 a might have been a Kerrang CD or might have been a Metal Hammer CD. It was the opening track on there, and he was like, "You got to hear this," and it blew my tiny little mind. I was like, "This is amazing! This is the coolest track I've ever heard." Yeah. Oh, I would imagine those tapes as well were how you uh, discovered Raven, the other big yeah, influence in your life. Dude, I, and people have said, like, why is Raven your favorite wrestler? I was like, because he dressed like me. Like, when yeah. I was getting into wrestling, I was like, oh, that guy looks exactly like I do. Because I've got long hair. I want to have a beard. He wears Dinosaur Junior t-shirts. Guess what I'm wearing? A Dinosaur Junior t-shirt. He's wearing a buttload of flannel. Guess what I'm wearing? A load of flannel. And I've got loads <laughs> of holes in my jeans, and I'm wearing big boots. He's he's me. Like, he's, he's exactly how I dress. He's absolutely one of the wrestlers of the 90s. Man, I don't, I don't even want to continue on with nxt at this point well i know we're gonna go to nxt and i I was about to say did you see that video that got uh that got shared around a lot over the weekend of that wcw show like beach brawl where it was just it it was a battle royal that was commentated by raven but it's soundtracked by fear factory i was like this is (laughs) take me back this is the greatest thing (laughs) loose worlds colliding (laughs) It really was because I was on some of the videos like, man, I want to watch this video because it's WCW wrestling by a beach. And then I heard I was like, it's Fear Factory. They're playing Edge Crusher. This is brilliant. 
we've got to bring this podcast to a close. So uh, if you're listening to this, we've also got the Backlash predictions. Go and check that out as well. Uh, and um, uh, Ollie and I should be back tomorrow doing the AEW podcast. So thumbs up for that. Me and Tempest will be back doing the SmackDown review as well. So we'll have more chat like this most likely. But until then, take care. I love you. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 